Hey guys, welcome back to the Kobe Simmet Audio Experience. In this episode, I'm having a conversation with Josh Rimmington from the Parenting Plus Business Podcast. Josh has reached out to us to talk to us about what my thoughts are around being a parent, running a business, being time poor, and looking after my team. We share a couple of great ideas and tips and tricks around protecting and enhancing the mental health of team members, helping with professional development. And this is a great lead into a recent poll we conducted on LinkedIn, where we found that 37% of people are motivated by professional development in the workplace. Josh and I go on to talk about what his thoughts are on parenting, being in business, being an entrepreneur. He's got a great little business that helps small business get found online. So if you haven't checked it out already, find Josh Remington on your favorite podcast platform. I hope you enjoy this great episode on the Kobe Simmet audio experience. So how about to start with, tell me a bit about your business and, and what you, how you got to where you are today. Yeah, look, it's um, it's a pretty cool business. Bestpractice.biz is the website. Pretty simple. Um, we are a, go- a global uh, business improvement agency, helping organisations, or we're passionate about helping organisations first and foremost to be great places to work. Um, that those organisations then go on to create great buying experiences and be a great place to buy from, and then coincidentally a great place to invest in. So you kind of think about those three key stakeholders the staff, the customers, and the shareholders. So anything kind of in our why, if you like, is fair game. So anything that can either help, you know, help someone really enjoy what they're doing so we can get the right people in the right seat, um, anything that can maybe help someone move to another organisation where they might fit better with the culture, um, and then obviously focusing on customer experience, um, and then and then the different, you know, obviously shareholders and profitability is important for, you know, small to medium business owners, and then obviously large businesses. Um, so yeah, we have a couple of thousand companies that we're working with uh, on a kind of retainer basis uh, in our main you know, best practice business. Uh, we have Next Practice, which is our coaching company. So we identify next practices and turn them into best practices, yeah. pun intended. Um, and then um, we have a talent agency. So we, uh, we do a lot of you know, individual assessments of team members and teams in business. And then we also do a recruitment component to that. So um, that's best practice. I founded the business in 2004. So um, I'm, a, I'm an overnight success, you know, the last 17 years sort of, you know, drumming up what we're doing. Um, yeah. And, and why do I do it? I do it for my family. You know, I, and, and when I say family, it's my extended family. And one of my personal values, I kind of put, you know, family at the top of my list. And, you know, I'm very conscious. We have 54 people in our team. Um, in, in this business and there's another 130 people in the other business that I helped my brother to run. So, you know, I think about all those, you know, you know, individuals and their partners and their kids and their families and, and you know, I take that sort of responsibility pretty seriously. So, um, yeah, so 17 years in business and it's been a really interesting journey. Love it. So what would you say is probably the key to creating a good culture in a, in a business? Oh, look, I, I think um, we do a lot of work on culture. I think first and foremost is really um, identifying what empathy means to you as an individual. So anyone that's kind of listening or anyone that's kind of engaging in that cultural conversation, really trying to understand what does empathy mean? Not sympathy, empathy. So if you can bring empathy to the relationships with your team as a leader or as an individual, even a team member with your leader or your manager, um, and that can be in a micro business or a really large multinational, I think we don't spend enough time 
um, you know, seeking to understand what's going on with the people around us and what's going on in their life. And I think when we can empathize with people and bring that, we can build the honey empire, you know? It's, uh, and, and so I think that, you know, if we can help people to be inspired um, and, and we can help people with their situation, um, you know, it, there is a very, very, very fuzzy line between work and life, you know, in that work-life balance. Like for me, it's, there is no line between the two. Um, and so I think if we can do that, and then as a, you know, if you are a leader or an aspiring leader or a manager or somebody who is kind of leading people, you've only got one job and that is to motivate and train. So I think two things, first is empathy. And then in motivating and training, the second is accountability. And you have to hold yourself accountable first and foremost and own everyone's performance around you. So instead of the blame, you know, good culture is if you can remove blame completely and take everything on yourself. So everybody's default or I try to train people and I do this myself is I am responsible for everything. And if you can live by that ethos, then you can say, well, what am I doing about it? You know, rather than blaming and, and the victim mentality, take it on board and say, okay, well, this is, you know, first and foremost, what's my part in everything? What's my part in this situation? Even as a parent, you know, like what's my part in this? What am I doing about this? How am I managing this? Have some empathy. And then you can kind of then go in and consult and say, okay, well, what's on your mind and what else? How can I help? What can we do? Here's the outcome that I'd like to see happen. How can we work together? How can I support you to achieve that? Awesome. I love it. And I like, like what you said about taking it on yourself. I was actually saying that to someone the other day that as a, as a leader or a business owner, um, that's my role is to, to take on that, take the thing. There's no one, everything leads back to me. So I need to take that on. Mm, absolutely. hundred percent. Like, and that's been a big, I think for myself personally, in my own personal development journey, particularly in the last say seven or eight years is really hearing that advice and going, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I get that. Actually talking about it, but then seeing unconsciously myself implement it, you know, kind of extract, you know, go outside myself and look back and go, hang on a minute, actually, that that's actually really interesting in terms of how that plays out. Um, it does, obviously, I don't mean to be all warm and fluffy right now, but if you can, if you can think about what vulnerability is, um, it's about, it's not about, oh, I need to be vulnerable and like, like kind of all of a sudden lean into it. It's about actually by doing that, you then be, you know, you are being vulnerable with yourself. Then it's really interesting to see how the team changes around you because they go, oh, actually, he's taking responsibility for that. Actually, that's not his responsibility. That's mine. I need to take responsibility for that. And then all of a sudden, that's where you see the team really stepping up. And if you can create, create that safe space as a parent with kids, with staff, with team members, with those around you, then, uh, then, then I am seeing the dividends of that. Um, right now. Awesome. So do you find that more businesses are actually trying to work on that culture these days and try and build a, a business around creating a better culture? Yeah, I do think so. I think that um, the, because of the internet and, and these kinds of conversations and, and that more of this is kind of happening, you are seeing managers going to YouTube, um, kind of, you know, seeing that now as actually that is a learning resource, corporate conversation, I think a, a more um, consciously aware uh, corporate community, um, particularly with the internet. Um, you know, there, there are still businesses that are like, you know, this is nothing to do with me, kind of old school. Uh, they still exist. But I, but I think, you know, if you talk about people like Simon Sinek and start with why, 
Find Your Why, The Infinite Game, you know, those three great books that have kind of come out, you know, back to back. We seeing people, you know, he's doing a lot of the hard work that we can kind of follow through and go, hey, have you heard of Simon Sinek? Yes, we have. If they say, no, we haven't, hey, here's a quick 20-minute TED Talk to have a watch of, and they go, oh, my God, I get that. So then that's the kind of lead into then, all right, how do we then have that cultural conversation? Um, and I'll quote Simon Sinek, if, you know, for the listeners that maybe haven't heard him. He says, you know, in a difficult conversation with someone who's maybe underperforming, instead of going, you know, if you don't improve your performance, I don't know what's going to happen. If you go to that person, you say, hey, look, I've noticed you're struggling. I noticed you're not hitting the kind of numbers that we need you to hit. Um, what's happening in your life right now? How are you? You know, and that kind of cultural conversation is really starting to change, you know, particularly, you know, I watched someone who, um, you know, at soccer training with my son last night, someone who is a, you know, kind of a gruff alpha male father figure. Um, and I said, oh, you know, how are you going? How's, how's life with you? And I didn't mean to sort of scratch the surface, but I did. And he kind of like, I'm really struggling. Like, I'm really struggling with my kids. I'm really struggling to be a parent um, right now. And, you know, my kid's misbehaving and I don't know what to do about it. And, um, you know, I said, all right, well, you know, let's, let's, if it was an apprentice, you know, working for you and the guys are kind of technical trade, how would you handle that? He said, oh, you know, I'd kind of get with the kid and kind of work out what the outcomes are. And I said, right, well, kids are there to press your buttons. Try not to let your kids press your buttons and, and, and work on so that, you know, it's, it's a blending there, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously a bit on what you were just talking about and everything else. How would you approach, um, mental health issues at the moment and like I know over the last couple of years it's become more of a thing to slowly start talking about it more how would you approach that in the workplace and in, and part of the the team culture as well yeah look it, it it um for us um first and foremost you know let's say we don't know about very any specific issues so rather than getting down to a tactical task let's say like where do we start with everybody? I think it's really important to make sure in the workplace that everybody is being onboarded in a professional way. Um, you know, in Australia, the, the workplace and industrial relations regulations are quite tough. Um, and so we need to make sure that we are, we are thinking about what is the five-star version of an onboarding process? What's the five-star version of a team performance enhancement process? Not performance management, but performance enhancement. So what's the five-star version of staff and team member performance enhancement? And then when we start to see, okay, well, the person's been onboarded, we've had a thorough induction, we have regular catch-ups, one-on-ones, um, and we're implementing, let's say, a good coaching, mentoring process, like uh, the, the great book, The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay-Stania, uh, you know, The Coaching Habit, it's a fantastic book, really simple seven-step process that I think that every manager should have kind of in their toolbox. Um, I think by setting the expectations early in that process, uh, setting the cultural standards, setting the behavioural standards and having super high-touch, super one-on-one -on -one conversations, then we can kind of be seeing early in the process whether mental health is going to start to affect uh, performance in the workplace. Um, we're going to have a good quality relationship between leaders and, and team members. Um, and then, you know, I think that's hard to achieve. So that's kind of the ideal world. That's what we do here. It's taken over 10 years to get it set up and get it to be part of the norm and to get it to continue to happen. I don't have to drive it now. It happens kind of with my management team. So what do we do if we have a situation where we've got 
you know, mental health issues that are arising in a workplace that doesn't have those things set up. Um, I think the right thing to do is always the right thing to do. Uh, having super high touch, super one-on-one -on -one conversations is always the right thing to do um, and, and empathy. And so if we're going into a situation with potentially mental health issues affecting the workplace or affecting someone that you care about in the workplace, um, if it's if it's something that the workplace just says, hey, we need to, you know, we need to, um, you know, be mindful of this, I do think that the workplace should be supporting external support um, in the form of, you know, counselling or, you know, access to services, either a time off to access those services that are part of, a, you know, the, the medical profession, or that the workplace makes people's time available. Um, because I do think we have an obligation to protect the psychological safety of our staff and our team members as managers and supervisors. Um, and then, you know, it's not necessarily the workplace's role to be, you know, managing and correcting and kind of treating those issues, but you've got to be empathetic towards them and support them. There is also the really tough conversation around how is that affecting everybody else? And I'll use a sporting analogy. If a player is injured, sometimes we've got to bench those players. So we have to, with love and empathy, sometimes bench those players and, and not let them kind of make mistakes that kind of impact the team. So sometimes we've got to take the player out of the team um, and sometimes that's not a nice thing. So, you know, it may be termination of the employment or redundancy or that kind of thing. So they are delicate conversations that I would always encourage someone to kind of seek legal advice and professional advice. So, but the sporting analogy is really important because if that person is kind of, you know, if we're work, walking on eggshells around somebody, that's going to affect the financial performance of the organisation, which will affect the business's ability to pay salaries and wages, um, which is going to affect everybody. So it's a delicate thing, you know, on a sliding scale, depend on, depending on severity and, and, and that kind of stuff. But I think having the goal to kind of set up the five-star version of the system and work to constantly improve that um, in the isolated circumstances where you don't have systems and process in place, you know, engaging external professional help, but using empathy and front foot communication, regular communication, not micromanagement, but regular communication. And then being, you know, being mindful of the sporting analogy of actually, do we need to isolate this player because they're injured? Um, we need to make sure they're being treated and looked after really effectively. Um, we've got to continue to empower them and give them meaningful work, but it is not the organization's responsibility to do treatment. It's the organization's responsibility to look after customers. So you've got to have that conversation with the leadership and, and kind of map that out. Like really short kind of in a nutshell, but I hope yeah. that helped it. Yeah, I love that sporting analogy as well. That, that helps understand the concept very well as well. Yeah, you, you, you still got to look after your players, right? Until the yeah. players formally, you know, exited from the team, you still got to look after your players. You've still, because the other players will look on and say, well, if I get injured, how am I going to be treated? You know, and so, you know, that is a really important aspect of it. Like the play, it is for the team. It's like, you know, if there are any rugby fans, um, you know, listening, think about the All Blacks. They play for the jersey. They don't play, it's not the individual player and we don't put the A player up. It's about playing for the jersey, playing for the brand. And so your team members will look on and see how that person's being treated. And if they're treated with love and if they're treated with empathy and they're treated with super high touch one-on-one -on -one communication and they're treated, you know, we've got this plan. And if something happens to me, this is what happens then, uh, you know, um, and, and we can kind of understand the cause. 
anxiety right now for me is probably the number one issue, mental health issue in the workplace that I see from my data. Um, and that is something that organizations can assist to kind of, you know, assist rather than just kind of amplify it and magnify it because poor quality, you know, two star, not five star management can actually cause that to be exacerbated. So, you know, strong leadership um, that has got direction and vision and clear communication around KPIs, getting people in the right seats is the best way. So people know what their boundaries are, they know what their deliverables are, they can come up uh, and, and kind of deliver. The worst thing you can do is be a reactive manager when you've got individuals in your team that have got anxiety, um, because if when you're reactive, they never know quite how you're gonna react. Um, so it is really important to be showing up the same way. So I think you know, we can talk all day about kind of management of that, but um, yeah, hopefully that helps. Yeah, definitely. So um, how about you tell us a bit about your family? So um, tell us a bit about your family and also how you went with having a family and starting businesses and running businesses. Yeah, look, it's been a challenge. Like obviously being in business 17 years, I'm 46 this year. Um, I had my son late um, and, um, you know, it was a challenge. So my wife and I did struggle to have, have children. Uh, so we only have one. Um, yep. And, you know, it was, it was touch and go um, as to whether he would even survive. So, um, but he's happy and healthy. He's, uh, he's 10 years old. He's in year five um, in, uh, in the Australian schooling system. Um, and that's my son. I, I have yep. literally just walked him to school um, yep. prior to the podcast. And that, you know, was one of my goals. So to kind of talk about my 2021 goals and then we'll work backwards. Um, my goal this year has been to um, take the school holidays off yep. um, and have annual leave. So I've got, I have got that freedom as a business owner, um, you know, as business owners and leaders, we kind of do have that freedom, but some business owners feel like they're kind of tied to their business um, and they've got to micromanage it. Um, I've obviously been going for a long time, but I have got that goal. So my goal is, hey guys, um, you know, empowering team members, um, to kind of lift their game, um, get experience being leaders, and then kind of step up and get it, get better at their performance, um, gave me the freedom to just have the last two weeks off. So I'm kind of, this is my first week back at work after two weeks of school holidays um, with my family. So um, my wife and I have been together for 22 years, I think this year. Um, our son is, um, is 10 and um, it's the three of us and the dog um, so if anyone follows me on Instagram um, or on, uh, on LinkedIn, you'll see my dog feature in my social media occasionally, a little poodle. Um, yeah, so we walked together this morning as a family and got a coffee and, and, then, um, and then, yeah, I jumped in the car and, and obviously came into the studio. So uh, we have a great time. Um, we do a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, we're going camping tomorrow um, and then hiking on Sunday. Uh, so we do a lot of family activities together. We try to do stuff, you know, together and, and, and that carries over to the business. My first and foremost philosophy when people start here at Best Practice and on an ongoing basis is your family comes first. You are coming to work. Money is why we're all here. That's what makes us a team and what we're here to do is to, you know, bring in revenue, um, leave, have a little bit of profit left over to fund the rest of our life. If if the, no one volunteers, well, there's a, we have an intern program where there's some volunteers, but fundamentally no one volunteers at Best Practice. We're all, we all come to earn money and, and we are part of, you know, we're all furthering a worthy cause, um, but it's, it's, it's that component. So we kind of talk about that and we say, well, why is that? Well, that's because I'm going to take money back to my family or my personal life. So um, the thing that concerns me the most is if I see team members where I can see they're kind of distracted and they're not conscious and they're not with us, 
you know, is something going on with their personal life or their family? I'm like, go sort that out. You've got my full support um, and, and go and sort that out. And, and if I need to help you, I will, but, you know, do what you've got to do and you have my full yeah. support. We don't talk sick leave, annual leave, personal leave, any of that sort of stuff. I'm like, just go sort that out and then we'll, we'll kind of deal with the administration. So, um, because I can't have people that they don't perform when they sit at their desk and they're fogged over. Um, so, you know, I bring that philosophy. So one of my, you know, that's my core value is, is kind of family and, and being a father. I love being a dad. Um, I run the junior, you know, we do a lot of water sports. I run a junior sailing program at our local yacht club. Um, you know, we, we have the, I sponsor the local soccer team um, and, the, and the kids play soccer on the weekends and sail in summertime. We have summer soccer as well. Um, so I'm pretty actively involved in local primary school as a sponsor. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, you know, and, and then the, the generations kind of above me, if you like, is, um, uh, you know, is my, my dad and my brother and my sister and my mum, you know, tight, tight knit family. And um, we had dinner, we had family dinner last night. So Thursday night's a family dinner. So I had dinner last night with my uh, mum and dad and my brother um, and my sister-in-law and the grandkids. Um, so uh, it's just a quick dinner on a Thursday night and a glass of red wine and a catch up. Um, and um, we're all going camping together this weekend. So we are, you know, we're a close family. Um, my sister lives interstate, but we'll be seeing her this weekend. Um, so, you know, I, I think it is important. I think that that's why we work. That's why you and I are doing what we're doing right now. Um, and yes, we want to do meaningful work and we want to progress in meaningful cause, but we do it for our family. So I think it is important that we do have to put them, you know, they've got to be up there in terms of priority. Yep, definitely. And I love love that you said priority because yeah, you um yeah, we can do the business stuff and everything else, but you really have to put the family first and then everything else can be built around it. And if you do it that way, then at least you know you're doing it the right way and and you can you can have your priorities the right way. I still um drop my boys at school and pick them up every day and and yeah. ever anyone that comes to work with me knows that I'm in here between those hours because that's my structure and the rest of the time I'm with my family. So sure. it's um yeah, you always have that choice. And especially if you're the, you're the business owner and you're building the business, there's no reason why you could, you say, have to say, oh, no, I have to do it another way because that's what people have said. You yeah. um, you can build a business the way you want to build it and around your priorities. 100%, 100%. You know, I did a couple of hours this morning, you know, 5 a.m. Yeah. till 7 a.m. when the family wakes up. Um, breakfast, you know, breakfast with my son this morning, walk to school, do some work and then I'll, we'll do some more work. Um, you know, maybe 9.30 to 10 PM after my son's gone to sleep tonight. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a, there's no kind of work life for me. It's, it's, I intermingle it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the, I'm the same and I've been the same for a long time. It's, it's sort of, yeah, we work when, when it needs to be done and everything else and yeah. do the fa family stuff when it needs to be done. But yeah, there's no set work, work works now and, yeah, plates now. It's um, yeah, you do what's needed to be done. That's it, hundred percent. Awesome. So, a question I always ask is, if someone comes to you and they say that they're um, looking to start a business, what's a good piece of advice you could give them? Um, look, I think the best piece of advice is is there demand for that product or service? I think um, you know that that is forty six percent of the the forty six percent of the reason why you will be successful is because you chose a product or service that's in and people will hand over money. Um, and so you kind of want to, you know, I know a lot of people thinking about starting a business or doing something, they kind of think, oh, I'm going to do this. Um, will people give you cash, like literally folding money in exchange for that product or service 
And without building any structures, can you kind of come up with a, you know, half, you know, pilot version and go see someone and actually exchange it for money? And that's kind of the ultimate test. So when someone comes and says, I want to exchange a business, I said, okay, in the next week, find somebody and get money off them and give them the first version of your service. And they go, oh, but I'm not set up and it's not perfect. I don't care about that. Let them be the decision maker of what is perfect, what is five-star, what does it need to look like? How's it? Otherwise, you're a focus group of one. And a lot of people kind of you know, dwell and dwell and dwell. Oh, I've been meaning to start a business for like three years, five years, 10 years. I've had this idea. It's like, okay, well, if, you know, is it in demand? And when we talk about case studies like amazing unicorn companies like Apple and, you know, Zoom, you know, we're using Zoom right now. Um, they're in demand and people are prepared to pay money for them. And so it, and life is so much easier if you kind of, you can stuff up your marketing and can you not be very good at sales because the market is there and it's saying, it's saying, give me that, pro I, I really want the benefits that your product or service will bring me and, and take my money. Like you sometimes see the post on Facebook, someone will put something up and everyone's like, take my money. So, so that's my, that's my advice. Is it in demand? Is it popular? Is the market already kind of a little bit educated and you, you're taking your first product to market is a, um, is, is an alternative to what's there. Maybe it's got something that's a little bit different, a different feature that brings a kind of enhanced benefit, but think about the benefits that it brings to the customer. We do, I've seen people dwell and dwell on it. So this is the biggest mistake to avoid is to try to find something that no one's done before because you're taking, you're going into a very unsophisticated market and you have to educate and education is hard and it takes a long time and it's expensive. So the true test is, if you think about starting a business in the next seven days, who could give you cash for an initial cut down small test version of your product or service, go collect some money. Yep, I love that. So from a marketing point of view, with having a marketing agency, I see it all the time. People will come to me and they've spent thousands on branding and websites and everything else, but they haven't done that initial step of making sure there's actually demand for their product or service. And it's such a, a thing like, I like going the other way. I'd rather make sure there's demand and then I can worry about logos, branding and everything else afterwards because then I know that we can, we, it's, a, it's a venture that's actually going to be financially successful rather than having to chase people. And that education thing is a big thing as well. Um, I say it in marketing and everything else. If I have to go out there and actually educate someone how to use something or what we do, it's a hell of a lot harder than if they just see something and go, no, I need that in my life. 100%. So, so really tactical tip for people if they're thinking about starting a business is do a Facebook post and have a PayPal account. So, yeah. hey, I've got this thing, service, product, whatever it might be. Here's the version of it. Facebook post, PayPal account. That's all yeah. you need. Like Facebook page, even your personal page, kind of find the people that you, that you want to seek to serve. And, it, and, and there are people doing seven-figure businesses with an Instagram or a Facebook page and a PayPal account. It's yep. that simple. People kind of overthink it and like, look, I get, I want to do the project and I want to do all this sort of stuff. I get that. Um, but it is about making money. And, and that, you know, that ties into the statistic of 50% of businesses fail in the first year, another 30% fail in the second year. 
and less than half of 1% of businesses deliver their financial promise at the 10-year mark. So in the 10 years from starting, less than half of 1%. So the question is, why will you succeed when others have failed? Because there is a very, very good chance. There's, a, there's like a, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a one in, what is it? One in a hundred, no, not one in 200 chance that you're going to fail. You one in 200, you know, sorry, one in 200 chance that you're going to succeed. And, and that demanding is, is so important. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably add that the demand needs to be an ongoing demand and that it's not just a demand for the next month. Absolutely. So that, yeah. Absolutely. It's like the, the kids at the moment playing with the pop thing. Yeah. You, know, they, you know, my house is chugger block full of them because that's kind of the yeah. trend at the moment is, oh, dad, it's so good. It's so relaxing. I can pop this kind of um, you know, sustainable bubble wrap, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of, that's here and now I wouldn't try and build a business around that. Maybe the yeah. business is constantly finding things that are finding stuff, yo-yos or, you know, whatever's on trend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely can make a lot of money in a short period of time, but yeah, you sort of have to have that next, next product or service to be able to offer because those sort of things are trends and you remember back into being in primary school or something and the amount of different trends that came and, and went pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much life and business. 100%. Yep. Awesome. Um, so the, the other question I, I ask similar to that is, same with parenting, is there any advice you would give to someone uh, if they came to you and said they're about to have their first child? Um, what advice could you give them? Apart from get a lot of sleep, um, <laughs> My son didn't sleep for the first five years, um, like literally 45-minute slots. Um, kids are kids are going to test you. So learn what a shit test is. And I apologise for, for cussing, um, but, but kids will test you and it's 100%. The most important thing is your emotional resilience and to be showing up as a stable, you know, kind of chilled person the more chilled you are with your kids even if they're playing up the more that your kids are going to mirror you and be a chilled child so if you let child the children are looking for emotional boundaries and you are their kind of emotional leader and you know and this is coming from making huge mistakes as a parent like you know growling at you know my son when he was playing up and then going holy this kid is growling back at me what's going on and pushing my buttons and and so, you know, the, the terminology I use is, is kind of te people test you and they, they, you know, the kids test you and press your buttons. So as a parent, the first thing to learn is how to be resilient, how to kind of keep you, you know, cool your jets. And it's absolutely to be the, you know, you obviously, if your goal is to be kind of be the best parent that you possibly can be for, the, for your children and that they, they grow up to be contributing citizens to society, then we want to be making sure that we're resilient. And I've, you know, I've kind of learned that, that, you know, you want to don't, you don't want to crack it. You don't want to be sort of up and down and moody. And so whatever you got to do to kind of be that and show up and be for kids, I think that's, um, you know, that's, that's my absolute starting point for advice. The rest is kind of ancillary. You know, we can talk about stress levels and kids and that kind of stuff, but if you can, if you can kind of be that kind of stable terminal so the kids can be upset, happy, sad, and you can kind of let them have those emotional experiences and you can kind of always be there that's stable and resilient, um, doesn't matter what they're doing, then you're going to have a good child. 
Awesome. Love it. So one last question I've got is, do you have a quote or a mantra or something that stuck with you during your, your business and, and your life that you think back like, and think every time you hear it, they think, okay, yep, I love that. Yeah, 100%. The service we give to others is the rent we pay for our space on earth. You know, it's, it's about, you know, if you put it out to the universe, it's going to come back to you tenfold. Um, you know, th there's a perception that, you know, I might be a successful person, but I haven't achieved anywhere near what I'm setting out to achieve. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm full of value. Um, it's, it's unethical of me not to provide that value um, and make it accessible to people, you know, whether people want to commercially engage or, you know, I do a lot, obviously, like you, um, like this for free. Um, but, but, you know, the service we give to others, we're, we're a race, we're a species, um, and, and, you know, there are some amazing people out there and, the, you know, the, the sum of the parts is greater than the individual parts together. So, you know, it's important to be, you know, contributing to your rent for your space on earth and, and contributing to what's going on. And, and if you've got some value to give people, then I, I think it's unethical of you to hold it back in any way, um, you know, and, and don't put a kind of price tag on it. Um, if, if you can work out a way to give as much as possible away for free, like kind of until it hurts, um, because that's where success will come back um, from the universe. Awesome. Love it. So for anyone at home that wants to connect with you or learn more about your business, what are the best places? Look, our, our website's really simple. There it is on the screen, bestpractice.biz. Um, you can check us out at bestpractice.biz. That's our main website. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, we're getting a lot of traction on Instagram uh, of, of late. So uh, Kobe Simmet is my handle on Instagram, on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, if you want to send me a direct message, the best place to get me is direct message me on Instagram or direct message me on LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of activity on LinkedIn um, and a lot of activity across the business. But there's a, ton of, there's a ton of free content available on our YouTube channel, Best Practice TV, uh, bestpractice.biz forward slash guide. So if people are looking for kind of samples and getting ideas they are start thinking about starting and running a business getting into that um, there's heaps of free resources we get three blog articles out every day you know we've, we have dozens of social media posts every day so it's as a business resource as a news feed that's kind of our goal is to build out best practice as a news feed to be contributing this value so people don't have those kind of roadblocks and their organization can be a great place to work that'll grow a great place to buy from that creates a great customer experience and a great place at the end of the day to invest in so that uh, for those people that are business owners and want to run businesses, that, um, that it kind of gives them the lifestyle they're looking for, the opportunities to be a parent so that it's not all consuming. Um, that's kind of everything that's going to be some of the amazing benefits that, uh, that they can get from our content. Awesome. Love it. So we'll, um, we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely, mate. Anytime. Um, and uh, say hi to your family for me. Thank you. Hey, guys, if you found this episode useful, I want you to check out our new business growth blueprint. You can download that from bestpractice.biz forward slash guides. There's a ton of great content available on bestpractice.biz. So if you want more information that's going to enhance and grow your organization, turning it into a great place to work, a great place to buy from with great customer experience and a great investment, there's lots of great free content available at bestpractice.biz. I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now.